0: This is Sheila Cagle with the Communicate Influence podcast. When I was in England late last year, Karen Unland and Mac Mail, both seasoned podcasters, kindly produced an episode for Communicate Influence listeners. Karen and Mac are the co-founders of Taproot Publishing, an Edmonton-based media company whose mission is to help communities understand themselves better. Karen was a newspaper journalist. Mac was a software developer and blogger. They combined their talents and experience in 2016 to try to solve the problem of shrinking local media. In this episode, you'll hear them outline the challenges facing local journalism, why a strong local media ecosystem is important, and what they're trying to do about it. You can find the link to Taproot Publishing and their other ventures in the show notes. Thanks so much to Karen and Mac for producing this episode. Now, a message from the Published Author Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Josh Steinle, host of the Published Author Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur who wants to publish a nonfiction book to grow your business, then this is the podcast you've been waiting for. The Published Author Podcast will help you become an author and show you how to build a thought leadership system around your book. With this, you can grow your business, land speaking gigs, grow your tribe, and lots more. As an entrepreneur and author myself, I'll be sharing my experience with you, but I'm also interviewing dozens and eventually hundreds of guests who are best-selling authors, non-best-selling authors, editors, literary agents, ghostwriters, and publishers, all sorts of experts on creating a book, writing a book, publishing a book. And this is all to provide you with their knowledge and guidance so that you can write your book, publish your book, market your book, get it out there and grow your business. You can find the Published Author Podcast on your favorite podcast app or platform or go to publishedauthor.com.
2: Well, hello to the listeners of Communicate Influence, and thank you very much, Sheila, for allowing us to do a bit of a takeover today. Uh, My name is Karen Unland of Taproot Publishing, a media company based in Edmonton, and as Sheila said, with me today is Mac Mail, uh, who co-founded the company with me in 2016. Hi, Mac.
3: Hi, Karen, and hello to all the listeners. Thanks for having us.
2: So in the course of our work, we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about the future of media, and so, the reason we're here is because we thought the Communicate Influence audience might also benefit from our take on the changing landscape or just see what we think about it. Let's start here, Mac. What does Tapper even do?
3: Well, we started uh, four years ago with a big ambition to try to come up with a new and improved and more sustainable, financially sustainable way to do Local news. So, Taproot Edmonton is an online digital independent publisher that aims to help Edmontonians better understand their community. So, we publish original journalism. We also do um, quite a bit of curation where we're gathering up information that's been put out into the world, sometimes by other journalists and sometimes by communicators to organize it, to add context to it, and to use that as a way to keep people in our community informed on an ongoing basis
2: why do we even need to exist? Like, why? what is the local media landscape that makes it necessary for something like Taproot to emerge?
3: I mean, we're going on a couple of decades now of challenging times for media, and in particular for local media. Mm -hmm. So we know that the internet has had a huge impact, not just on local newspapers in our communities, but on on everybody who is in the news business. Um, all of the advertising dollars that used to go to newspapers and increasingly that used to go to television stations um, and other uh, publishers uh, has gone now to the big tech giants. So Google and Facebook account for something like 70 or 80% of all online ad spending. And that's important because all ad spending is moving online. And so they are the two companies uh, with some other tech companies that are hoovering up all of this advertising revenue that used to support news and news publications. We, you know... Remember that we had subscriptions and you could buy a newspaper at a newsstand, but those things didn't really pay the bills. That's not what funded the journalism that those organizations produced. So when the advertising dollars went away, so did a big uh, part of their ability to produce stories for their communities, to employ journalists to go and find things out and tell those to people, and especially in local papers because um, they relied even more so on uh, on the kinds of advertising that the internet has now um, taken away from them and it's costly to do good journalism
2: yeah and often I think in this conversation that Google and Facebook kind of get painted as the bad guys here and they certainly do some bad things but on the like as far as the hoovering up the advertising side of things, they have a better product, right?
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, nobody would spend money with Google and Facebook if they weren't getting a better return. And mm-hmm. and that's really what they offer. They've built these incredible, sophisticated, and very um, powerful advertising systems that actually help advertisers and marketers measure and achieve the kinds of results they are looking to achieve, which you couldn't do with traditional advertising. There was no way to actually know how many people saw your thing or clicked your thing or... Or, or read your thing and now you can do that and so it's no surprise that advertisers you know don't have unlimited money either they want to spend it in the place that they're going to get the best return and Google and Facebook have built the tools for that
2: yeah so there's a lot of um, conversation now about well, let's still see if we can get the big tech giants to to pay somehow to help and they and they are pitching in a little bit here and there with some uh, subsidies and programs for for uh, news and I guess they're going increasingly to court last time we talked about this in the public that that news broke uh that uh, the US Congress was going after Google I think um, to try to stop it from being a monopoly so we'll see how all that uh unfolds but in the meantime The conversation has shifted a lot more for support of local news to be through subscriptions. And I think we're a little bit skeptical about whether that's the whole solution.
3: I think that's fair to say. We started with the idea that membership could be our business model, Mm -hmm. and it remains part of our business model. But I think you and I have learned over the years, Karen, that it's not enough to replace all of that Advertising revenue that local publications used to have. So subscriptions are a really key part of the future, or maybe what we call audience pay, where it's either a subscription, which generally means you're paying for access, or a membership, where you're paying not for access, but for other reasons. Or philanthropy, where you're just making a donation because you think it's important and it needs to exist in the world. That is a really key part of the future of news, but there needs to be other ways for news publications to make money. The only publications in the world that are really uh, growing rapidly and able to survive on uh, to, to a large extent on subscriptions are those publications whose audience is the world. Or, or a much bigger, broader audience than what uh, a typical local publication is going to have. So the New York Times, of course, is probably the most famous mm-hmm. digital subscription model with their permeable paywall, and it works for them. They've got a significant number of re- uh, amount of revenue now from a significant number of subscribers. Um, the Guardian in the UK is another great example where they are more donation-based than subscription-based, um, but they too have been able to significantly shift their revenue to revenue from readers and that's great but those publications are addressing the entire world essentially with the work that they do local newspapers by definition and local publications like ours have a much smaller audience from which they can ask for money
2: yeah and and so many pulls on their attention and their pocketbook as well for that so we're talking to communications professionals, and I w- want to know why you think they should even care about what's happening in local media. They can, they're publishers themselves. They can share their own stories, don't, can't they?
3: That's true. And actually, I think, you know, they need to, mm-hmm. right? In, in this world, there has never been an easier way to publish information, and that means everybody is publishing information. And when uh, the traditional, you know, gatekeepers are no longer gatekeepers... You know, it used to be that you had to get your thing into the newspaper or on the radio or into the television show in order for somebody else to see it. Those those days are long gone. Everybody's a publisher now. Um, but what that means is that there's more and more information out in the world than there ever was before. This has some positive benefits. If there's something you want to read about, chances are there's a source for you to go and look at to consume that. Um, But it also means it's harder to know what's true and who to trust, Mm -hmm. let alone how to find all of that information and sift through it. And so I think that's the big opportunity and the big need um, for news organizations, a local news organization, is to help be that trusted source of information so that you know they're doing that work of looking through all of the information that's out in the world, making sense of it for you, validating it, and uh, and making it easy for you to uh, to consume that.
2: Yeah, and I think there's also like a validation function that local media plays for a lot of people, businesses, organizations in a, in a city, if you, if you're in PR and you want to get your client on TV or on the radio or in the newspaper, you're doing that partly to reach that audience, but partly because it says, ta-da, right? (laughs) Right. And if we lose our local media, then there's fewer places for that tada to data happen, and then everybody's just kind of shilling for themselves, which I think uh, is less effective in some ways, and also has the um, sort of like, well, of course you think you're awesome. You're, you're talking about your own thing, right? Kind of like what we're doing now, right now. Yeah,
3: having somebody <laughs> else pay attention to you is, is way more powerful. I've, I've often said to you, Karen, that I'm surprised. And how many people still, you know, get this warm, fuzzy feeling when they see themselves mentioned in the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. So few people read the newspaper now compared to its heyday. I, it's still, it's it's, it's it's surprising to me that there's still such a, a nice feeling that comes from that. But people like to see that others have validated whatever it is they're doing or whatever it is they're in the newspaper for, as you say. And so that earned media, that attention from others is definitely not changing, is definitely not becoming less important.
2: Yeah, we're still going to get a value from it. But if, the, if, you, if you value earned media, there has to be some
0: media to earn. That's <laughs> <So>. right. <laughs> now, a message from podthreads.com, a new clothing brand for podcast lovers. If you really like
3: podcasts, you'll love Podthreads. Podthreads is a new clothing brand for podcast listeners and creators. Podthreads features a range of unique designs, with more new products coming soon. Now, you can show your appreciation for podcasts and their creators by wearing one of Podthreads' exclusive designs. Find Podthreads at podthreads.com. That's P-O-D-T-H-R-E-A-D-S dot com. Podthreads. Threads for podcast lovers.
0: And now, back to the episode. All right, so we talked about the the
2: business model problems that make uh, new solutions like Taproot and all of the other indie media startups across Canada necessary. Uh, How are we trying to deal with those business model problems?
3: Well, as I said, we started with membership. And so we had that as our primary revenue stream. And we knew from the beginning that, you know, we would probably have to find some others. One of the lessons to take from traditional media is that they were far too dependent on one revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So we've diversified that a little bit. So one of the things we do is sponsorship. So inside of our email newsletters, we offer a way for local businesses, local organizations to build some brand awareness and to say, hey, I support this. I want this local publication that pays attention to the thing that I'm interested in. I want that to exist. And so that's been a good revenue stream for us to uh, augment with that uh, membership-based revenue stream. But the third one that we came on to, and this came about really through talking to our customers and our readers and asking questions about what they liked and what they didn't like about what we were doing. Um, It's something we call briefings. So the idea here is we are gathering up information um, for a business about something they are interested in. It could be about themselves. So when are they mentioned in the news? What kind of earned media have they earned this week? Um, It could be about a group of um, organizations that they are connected to in some way. Maybe they're members of an association. Whatever the case is, we're gathering up that information, we're curating it, we're doing um, some cleanup and some contextualization, and then we're making that available to the business and to their audience that they want to reach in an easily digestible way, typically through um, an email newsletter or some kind of an insert that could go into one of their communications. And this solves a real need that businesses have. Um, Oftentimes, businesses will do this kind of work Somebody off the side of their desk at that organization does mm-hmm. it. They might spend hours doing this. They might cobble together, you know, Google alerts and RSS feeds and some Twitter searches, and they'll do the as best they can to try to gather that information. But it's hard and it's not really what their primary job is, but it's still a job to be done. And, and we think there's a real opportunity to take the tools of journalism to help them do that job and for us to get paid for it in return. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, and I think kind of a corollary problem that we're solving for a certain kind of organization is there are some organizations out there who are tasked with providing value for members or constituents, stakeholders, so, some manner of uh, people that uh, are part of their community. And a lot often what those people want is attention. So if we can help that an organization, pay attention to people, connect them with each other, replace some of the networking, or at least augment some of the networking that we can only do on screens right now, then that's another problem to be solved as well. Hey.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, a great example of this is a you know business accelerator. So one of these programs that startups and entrepreneurs get to go through. Usually, at least before the pandemic, you get to be face to face in a room with other entrepreneurs over a period of time and you get to learn a bit about them and you're learning things about, um, how to, how to build your business. And then you go away, but you still have that connection. You will have always been part of that accelerator program together. And so one of the applications for what we do is to gather up all of the information about those entrepreneurs, past and present members of that program, um, to reflect it back to them and to the community of people that is, interested in that accelerator program. It's a great way for the individuals and the entrepreneurs to be kept informed about one another. Um, And it's a great way for that accelerator program to, as you say, continue to support and and promote those businesses.
2: Yeah. It's still work, which is why we charge for it, right? But it's working that a lot of places don't necessarily have uh, the resources inside. If you do have the resources in, inside your, your organization to pay attention to your community and connect them by telling everybody what's going on, what's been published by and about them over the past week or two weeks or monthly, you should do that. That is more interesting and openable in my opinion <laughs> than a a newsletter about how awesome you are, right?
3: Absolutely. And that's what people default to, right? Oh, we should do Mm -hmm. a newsletter. I've heard that email is a great way to reach people. And so everybody has a newsletter. But most newsletters, as you know, Karen, because you read a lot of them, are pretty boring, right? People talk about themselves (laughs) or probably what happens is it comes time for that newsletter to be published. And people are on the team thinking, what are we going to write about this month? Uh, A great way to solve both of those problems to make it more interesting and to always have something new and fresh to say is to pay attention to that community and to reflect that back out.
2: Yeah. So what evidence do we have that we might be on the right track here?
3: Well, allow me to uh, toot our own horn a little bit here. (laughs) We are members of the Lion Publishers. This is the Local Independent Online News Publishers Association Uh, across North America. There's a whole bunch of digital sites that are trying to build the future of local news, and we're proud to be among them. And for their annual awards, we were just recognized as a finalist in the Business Idea of the Year category, specifically for... Spotlight, which is this briefing product we've been discussing that pays attention to a group of of organizations uh, to share that back out publicly to them, and so that's a bit of validation for us. You know, when we're when we're heads down, Karen, working on this stuff, it's sometimes hard to feel like we're making progress or that mm. we're on the right track. And so, uh, just as uh, communicators and their clients are looking for that external validation, we are too, and uh, and we got a little bit of it from Lion Publishers, which was great.
2: Yeah. And of course, the best kind of validation is customers, and we've got some of those as well. So. That's true. Yes,
3: having people that will actually pay for your thing is the best measure of success. And yes, yes we have a, a growing list of, of happy customers, which is uh, our primary metric,
2: of course. For sure. I know that the Communicate Influence audience is quite interested in podcasting, uh, and so I wanted to ask you, what role do you think podcasting plays in the future of local media?
3: I almost feel like I should ask you this, Karen. Mm. (laughs) So both of us have, I think, a pretty interesting history in podcasts. I was an early adopter of podcasting way back in the early aughts, um, built a a business that had a podcast hosting service. It was a little bit too early for the market, and so it didn't work out. Um, But I love podcasting. I think it's such a fantastic medium. It allows you to do do sort of time-shifted audio communication, which wasn't easily Done prior to podcasting coming around, and then you, of course, are are very involved in podcasting, probably way more than anyone else I know in Alberta.
2: I I suppose that's so, but I still feel like a Johnny come lately compared to you. But um, I came to podcasting as a as a listener and uh, found a lot of local. People who were doing podcasts and and knew that the business models weren 't going to help them ever make any money in fact that their podcast was going to cost them money and so uh, I thought, what could we do to keep them going <laughs> and so that led to a whole bunch of work that led to the creation of the alberta podcast network so that that's kind of started simultaneously with taproot because we're mm-hmm. working on a lot of interesting ideas around what to do to make sure that we have a strong local media ecosystem in our city and other cities and uh, three years later it's still going strong it's got podcasts delivering ads and connecting Albertans with stories about here and ideas from here so that's fun but I I remember my very first podcast episode you sat and figuratively held my hand through the recording <laughs> process so that i could figure out how to even do this um and at taproot podcasting is a really important part of our storytelling methodology i would say as well
3: that's right yeah we have two podcasts currently we have a municipal politics podcast that we do every single week and it's a great opportunity it's a great way to keep people informed about a local topic and to be able to go a little bit deeper and to connect on a more personal level, I think, than than text or other mediums allow. And we've just launched a new podcast series where we intend to tell stories through audio over time, which is something that we've done in the past, working with um, other local podcasters to support their work. Um, but our first series is all about innovation in Edmonton and telling the story of innovation in Edmonton. Audio is a really great uh, format, podcasts are a great format for for local news, I think, because It's easier for people to get breadth you can find all any number of sources of information um, but depth is somewhat harder to come by mm-hmm. and uh, there's definitely been a resurgence in long-form journalism in really long articles that go really deep into a topic um, but audio can be a, a really compelling and engaging way to offer that same kind of depth and uh, and to do it in a way that can be consumed in the car on the commute um, you know in a variety of different places while you're doing the laundry at home all of that kind of stuff where it's hard to do with text. So I see audio as a really promising part of the future of not just local media, but media overall. And I think that's supported by the uh, amount of money that we see being invested into this space right now as you know, the big players, Spotify and others, are trying to figure out how to grow what has been a pretty grassroots community into, uh, into a big business.
2: Yeah, I hope they don't wreck it while they do that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um... I I just love the freedom that a podcast provides to 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 give the story as much time as it needs to be told, as opposed to being kind of beholding to the strictures of however many minutes you have in a broadcast. So I think that it's been very fun to work with our Capri Edmonton managing editor Emily Randall Watson, who has journalism chops. She's a former CBC journalist. So she has that, that sort of structure and discipline for telling the stories, but she doesn't have to stick to 23 minutes per episode or whatever.
3: Yeah, it's very freeing to not have those restrictions in place. Of course, it doesn't mean that you can throw editing out the window and no. <laughs> all of the usual best practices still apply, but you can give the this, this story as much space as it needs, definitely.
2: Yeah. So on the whole, are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of media in Canada and why?
3: Well, I think if I was in uh, any other role, I'd be pretty pessimistic about it. But to be a, a entrepreneurial journalist, someone trying to build a new media company in Canada, I feel like you have to be pretty optimistic yes. <laughs> uh, about the future. And so I am definitely. I think there are real incredible opportunities ahead with um, the new technology that's available to us with the increasing literacy of people with different forms of media, the different ways of telling stories. There's no shortage. Of demand for good storytelling, and to better understand things about our communities and the things that we're interested in, and so I think there's, um, you know, so many interesting new ways and approaches and tools that we can use to satisfy that curiosity and do that storytelling here in Canada and everywhere else. Um, I'm somewhat less optimistic about some of the the supports that are going to come to accelerate that. I think we could. Um, move past the legacy models more quickly if the government and others were more aligned with that idea that, uh, as you often say, we need to have lots of experimentation. We need to see a lot of a thousand flowers bloom mm-hmm. to figure out what's going to work and what's not. It, it does seem like um, some of the powers that be, if I can use that phrase, are holding tightly onto the traditional way of doing things. And that is hindering, I think, the ability for us and other uh, local media entrepreneurs across the country to take their innovations to a, a broader audience and to prove that they really do make a difference and they can't work.
2: Yeah, I've often heard um, Jesse Brown from Canada Land talk about this. That he, of course, has quite a bee in his bonnet about the, any federal subsidies for journalism and and such. But mostly what he says is just don't make it harder for us to do our work and get get out of the way. So I don't think, I think most of us are not saying give us money. It's just like make it easier for us to find the market so we can make the money to support the thing. And there's so many interesting experiments going on right now all over Canada and the world to try to solve this problem. So even though it's in my nature to be pessimistic about most things, um, I'm very heartened by the amazing amount of creativity that's being applied to this issue. What would your advice be then for communications professionals navigating this new landscape?
3: Well, the first one would be if you're not already familiar with the tools and how to be a publisher you should really get on top of that Mm -hmm. because you know i think it is really important that you do have the ability to tell your own stories Um, as you pointed out karen that's not enough but that's almost a a necessary step now you need to be publishing and, and making your information your stories available to you so that would be the first thing i would say look for those independents who are trying to do something about the state of news in your community and find a way to support them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't always have to be financial. There's lots of other ways you can support them, spreading the word, making sure that um, they know about you and your thing, um, telling others about the work that they're doing, you know, even just sharing an article that you might've enjoyed or found valuable are all good ways to start to show some support to those local organizations and to encourage them to keep going and to keep, keep building. Um, But at some point, I suppose, We've got to put our money where our mouth is and we've got to find a way to fund local news in the future. So if you can take that next step to become a member or a sponsor or an advertiser or whatever the publication is offering, um, I think it's important to consider that. And, uh, And it'll pay dividends because, as you said, if you want to earn media, there's got to be media to earn.
2: Yeah, it's kind of everybody's responsibility to keep the ecosystem as healthy as possible so that the good things that it does can continue, not to mention so that it can be an actual healthy and good contributor to society because we need lots of changes on that front as well. Mm, Definitely. And then, you know, if we can solve a communications problem for you with our (laughs) briefings product, then uh, that would help us with the mission, but more importantly, help you with your mission, which helps everybody. Thanks again to Sheila for inviting us onto the show. If you would like to follow up on anything that you heard today, what's the best way to reach us, MA?
3: You can find us at taprootpublishing.ca. You can learn a little bit more about our briefing product that we've talked about and the ways that we can help uh, communicators solve the problems and challenges that they're facing. And if you want to check out the local journalism that we're doing here in our city in Edmonton, uh, you can find that, all of our podcasts, roundups, and other stories at taprootedmonton.ca.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Mac. And thanks for listening.